I mean, it's cheaply produced. I mean, we have an ass on the front, but uh, I mean, we work really hard on this. Hello, that was Jack Evan Johnson of Honky Tonk Padonkadonk. I am Alex Steed, and this is Nashville Demystified. Today we talk with the very fine folks behind, and I can't say this title out loud enough, Honky Tonk Padonkadonk. And then we check in with Carolyn Kendrick, who we talked with in our very first episode um, to see how her move to the city has been treating her so far. On Nashville Demystified, we talk with relatively new Nashvillians about their experience here in the city before talking with someone who has been here longer and has a bit more perspective on it. Nashville Demystified is produced by Knack Factory, a commercial content and video production company here in the city, and we are distributed by the wonderful folks at We Own This Town, a collection of locally produced and hosted podcasts. Honestly, every single thing I've done professionally or creatively since I was 14 years old stemmed from my having produced a zine at that age and then uh, having produced zines on and off since. I know Tim Burns, who produces the illustrations for each of these episodes through that work all these years later. I became a writer for newspapers and magazines because of this. I started my company, Knack Factory, which produces this podcast uh, rooted in that ethos. An offshoot of that zine became Angioplasty Media, which after being taken on by my friend Nick Mavadonis, made possible some of the coolest and greatest shows in Burlington, Vermont from uh, the later half of the aughts through the 20 teens. They did really cool stuff. In fact, when I started Nashville Demystified, the plan was to start a zine component, and I don't know, that very well may still be in the cards, but I I owe pretty much everything I do, um, you know, again, uh, commercially, creatively, socially, to zines and zine production. And I really should drop a very quick shout out to Boston author and illustrator Tak uh, Toshima, uh, who went on to oversee production of the Weekly Dig, which is an alt-weekly there. But he used to put out zines himself in the 90s. And when I first, it's basically where I first ran into zines. I went to a comic convention when I was 12. My mom took me and I met him. You know, I said, I want to do this, but I can't illustrate. And he just told me that zines were a thing and he explained them. And he told me that absolutely I could do just that. And uh, anyone could. So when I first saw Honky Tonk Badonkadonk, a zine edited, published, written, and overseen by musicians, uh, artists, and enthusiasts Jack Evan Johnson and Sabelle Elena, I knew immediately that I wanted to talk with these people. I think I saw the first glimmer of the zine at Inglewood Lounge, um, where they at the lounge had hung an interview with Natalie, one of the bartenders there on the wall. And, you know, like that zine aesthetic is unmistakable. Uh, it's like crisp, black and white, it has sharp contrast. It's a little blown out in the lighter areas. I just love it. Um, but I had seen a few issues around and I was struck by something Jack and Sabelle talk about in this interview. Um, Honky Tonk Padonkadonk has an actual sense of integrity and pride in their work. If you haven't seen an issue, there are interviews, there are news blurbs, there are random show reviews, tours of studios, um, and a fan favorite. There's Nashville-centered Mad Libs called Nash Libs. Uh, it's a fun little package. It's exciting when you see it and you never know what you're going to find. And, you know, the title is very tongue-in-cheek, but like I said, it's very obviously made by people who love the city, love these scenes, and take seriously the task of conveying what's special about this place. I loved our conversation and I'm excited to share it with you. But first, we reconnect with singer, songwriter, and fiddler Carolyn Kendrick. Um, I talked with Carolyn in our first episode. She was so new to the city that I interviewed her while she was on her way to pick up keys from her landlord. It's been about three months since then, so I figured I'd check in with her to see how her move has gone and what struck her about the city so far. We talk... Um, we talk about the things that people tend to say to musicians upon finding out that they're musicians. We also talk about what is increasingly becoming the sort of legendary show at the American Legion Post 82, at which uh, Rodney Crowell, Vince Gill, and Emily Harris played uh, a, maybe like about a month ago, um, like a small pop-up show at their Honky Tonk Tuesday. Uh, I mentioned this in our Bluegrass Wednesdays episode two, um, and it just so happens that this very show is reviewed in the 
the June issue of Honky Tonk Padonkadonk. So uh, make sure you check that out. Oh, before we revisit Carolyn, please consider giving a review if you can and sharing with a friend. We're on Instagram and Twitter at Nashville Demystified. And uh, we're on the late career Scott Bayo that is Facebook. If you have any feedback you want to send to me directly, uh, ideas for future shows, whatever, you can reach me at podcast at knack-factory.com. Podcast at knack-factory.com. All right, on to Carolyn. been pretty consistently excited and overwhelmed and inspired by how much music is really happening just the sheer volume of it is you know you you see it you see it from outside often but it's like actually impossible to keep up with how much stuff is going on and that's a really exciting thing to be in and not only just music but the sheer amount of just arts and culture and lots of events in all different kinds of disciplines it's really exciting to have those kind of options available but also know that like (laughs) it's not going away anytime soon so if you need to take a breather you totally can when I first got here I was a little overwhelmed with I was like oh I have to go to everything because I wasn't yet in the mindset, <laughs> like speaking of abundance and scarcity, which came up earlier today, I wasn't yet in the, I was kind of in a scarcity mindset where I was like, I got to go to everything or else I will be failing. And now <laughs> I will be failing and then it will all slip through my fingers. And although, although I, I know a thing about you and it's that you had caught wind that maybe Vince Gill and Emily Harris would be playing. Okay. At <laughs> the Legion, and you decided not to go. Okay, so here's what happened. <laughs> this is this very specific story. Uh, and then they put the spoiler for anyone who doesn't know, they played that night. Yeah. So this amazing thing happens in Nashville where just randomly seemingly randomly but it actually not i'm sure there's a lot of thought that goes into the planning of these things or at least like you know i don't know i'm sure there's thought behind it but seemingly random to people like me these kind of pop-up shows can happen and so at the american legion which is one of the venues i ended up i end up being at the most um there was just one day you know a couple friends of mine got in touch and said hey you have to go tonight because Vince Gill and Emily Harris are playing. And I assumed that that meant at 8 p.m. And it was at the Honky Tonk Night, which is on Tuesdays. So I assumed it started at 8 p.m., which it did not. I think it started earlier than that. And so by the time that I had been planning on already going to this thing, it was kind of too late. And I had already missed it, and <laughs> which was... A real bummer. <laughs> and I think it's very different from the thing that we're talking about now. <laughs> yeah, I think it's like, I think like there, it's funny that there can be in a town where there's so much that's happening all the time that there can still be legendary occurrences that happen. When right. when they happen, you're like, oh, that was probably <laughs> Yeah, I was like, oh, sh- shoot yeah. i really shouldn't i really shouldn't have missed that one when but like also, jason isbell like tweets about it and is like i love this town because yeah. this stuff happens you're like "Ugh." yeah totally <laughs> i know but i mean there were like some very specific circumstances regarding um like my travel in my life that like yeah. just where i had i there was no way that i was going to be able to go to that i'm also bringing this okay. up because i missed it as well and so i'm happy that someone else <laughs> so you're putting it you're like hurt. you're like tell me about how you're bummed <laughs> yeah can i ask you because the rest of this episode you are a musician i am yeah and the rest of this episode is about is a buy and about musicians mm-hmm. one thing i've heard you talk about in the past and i actually um saw you tweet about with some with another musician is um 
the range of responses you run into when someone realizes that you are a musician. <laughs> yeah. So can you just walk me through? Maybe we'll save someone from being an asshole, right? Yeah. By by doing this. So yeah. Um. Let, let's do a little role play. Okay. Okay. We're on an airplane. Okay. Uh. You have. What do you have with you that might give away that you're a musician? I usually have a very large guitar travel case and a very pink fiddle case. Okay. All right. So oh. Look at this. I have an entryway mm-hmm. to conversation with you. Right. Neat. And okay. lots of stickers on there indicating festivals and whatnot. Yeah. Oh, oh. Okay. Let's do this. Are you a musician? I am. Yeah. Okay. Now, what is some dumb bullshit that I said to you? So, either from there's like a few different ways that this inevitably goes. And to be fair, I don't think that these people are assholes. No. I think that what they are doing is trying to connect, which is something that is inherently valuable. However, it's what I, it's like, I am, yeah. If you get it over and over again, like you cease to connect with it, you know? So what inevitably ends up happening is a person will say, oh, is that a viola? Or is that a violin? Or they'll ask, is that a fiddle or a violin? And then I tell them this joke, soullessly. <laughs> I say, well, the difference between a violin and a fiddle is that you can spill beer on a fiddle. Nobody ever gets it. I crack up. <laughs> and Or then they say, oh, yeah, I used to play. Or they say, I play the violin. Usually it's in the present tense. They mm-hmm. say, I play the violin. I go, oh, that's great. And then they go, well... And like I, you know, I stopped when I was 10, but I still play the violin and I was very good. Mm. And they talk about how good they are as a thing. I'm trying, I'm having trouble coming up with like other comparisons, but it's kind of like, like if somebody was talking about being Jewish and then somebody was like, my second cousin's Jewish. (laughs) It's like, okay. (laughs) So I recently was in your presence when somebody asked you, somebody realized that you were, uh, you played the violin Mm -hmm. and they asked if you were in a violin troupe. Oh my God. That was just such a moment. Oh my God. <laughs> and and your a... response was <laughs> perplexed. I would say. Is this person. Yeah. I find that people, I find that people in general just don't know how to connect about things, myself included, but mm. just, it's interesting to see the ways in which people fumble in trying to connect like they they're like almost there but not quite so this woman that we were getting getting a beer with uh she is on her on route to being to working at mm-hmm. right and is has a, a big old ruse about how she's very put upon that she's going into this job that's ultimately going to make her a lot of money and she's like the attitude was like, ugh, can't believe I got to go work for capitalism. Real <laughs> bummer, huh? I have no agency in this. I'm just going to go work for evil men <laughs> who are literally plotting our demise. <laughs> so strike one. And then she asks me, she's like, we're among a group of like really creative and smart people. And <laughs> she turns to me and she goes, so you like, you like play the violin. Are you like in a, like in a troop. <laughs> and so, and we are also like as a group of queer people, like I, maybe she was thinking like burlesque troop. <laughs> like maybe that's what that was about, which that's not necessarily a bad thing, but just the way she asked it just that's made such, me crack that is, up. That is the most charitable read on what might've been happening. <laughs> maybe because we were a group of queer people, she thought that it was a burlesque troop. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> cool. I don't know. So that's such a funny uh, suggestion. Yeah. yeah. And, then that- she, and then she just, she went on to demonstrate that. And this is true of a lot of people, which is why I'm glad you're doing this, because I don't think people really understand what musicians do. Mm. And that's fair, because, like, there's so many things that we do that it's kind of hard to be like, okay, we do one thing. And, you know, I was at the, well, you know, at the... um country music hall of fame Mm. they've got that whole wall of like how could you um museum goer be involved in the music industry and there's like whatever 60 different professions and that's not even all of them that they list yeah that was the i i feel of all the installations at the at the museum that's 
one of the most like pragmatically interesting ones is that totally. it really it breaks down you know they, they it's like an illustration of the music the quote-unquote like music machine and it's like everything mm -hmm. from like publicist to lawyer to all of the session musicians to all of that yeah it was it was i wish i had actually like done the quiz to see because i think there, there was like a quiz involved like it was like buzzfeed like what would you like what would you be best at in the music industry fiddler fiddler <laughs> <laughs> That's really pointed questions. Like, did you go to Berkeley College of Music specifically for the fiddle? You might be good at so, it. So you are, um, you're also in the process of, of like putting together new work, right? Yeah. How is that, how is that process been being in Nashville? I mean, I understand you don't necessarily have both feet planted here all the time but yeah what is has there been any significance to being here while you're doing that i think the biggest significance in starting this so for a little context like i was you know touring with a bunch of different bands for a long time and then that kind of led to its logical conclusion at the end of last year or really the beginning of this year and so now I've been trying, not even trying, I've been like putting together this new solo project and working with new people and things like that. And so I think, th I think that the significance of working in Nashville for me personally is, is a symbolic one. It's like I've been in this new place and now I am, you know, symbolically turning the leaf into this new pool of people. And also, I'm just, just like the level of quality and the level of inspiration and the amount of people that I know here who are just doing amazing things is really quite astonishing. And it's, it's just, I mean, it's great from like a networking perspective, I suppose, to be like in the mix all the time and seeing people and reminding people that you exist. But I think, I think like the nitty gritty is that it's just nice. It's like plugging in. It's like, I felt like I was like, plugged into a power outlet that wasn't getting any power mm. and now I'm like in a power outlet that has a lot of like a power surge going through me and I think one thing that's also been honestly more I mean maybe not more but equally important to me is just being in a scene like living in a city and being committed to living in this city and trying to understand how the city functions trying to go to other you know, museums and see, go to other events that aren't music. That's really been more important in my personal development and my musical development than any shows I've been going to recently, I would say. Right. Yeah. You, you, I know that you have to get going and, and you don't um, know that we're going to do this, but I think that this is a good idea. And okay. I don't want to get in the way of your brand because I know branding is really important. But <laughs> um, right now, because you have a solo project, you're called... Carolyn Kendrick, right? Mm -hmm. Like yeah. that's, but you know, I was thinking that it would be helpful if you had a and in your name, right? So like mm -hmm. Carolyn Kendrick and, and then we figure out some options, right? So okay. have Carolyn Kendrick and the strawberry margaritas, like that's okay. One. So um, let's just like spit fire back and back, back, back and forth. <laughs> yes, let's spit fire back and forth. Yeah, just this this one's called shoot and draw and shoot. This is yeah, what the game is. Okay. okay, all right. Carolyn Kendrick and the Hot potatoes. That's Carolyn good. Kendrick and the... Uh, lizard Massacre. Okay, let's keep going. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Carolyn Kendrick and the... La Oh, that's good. That's good. Carolyn Kendrick and the... Black Plague. <laughs> I love that. Okay. <laughs> Nailed it. Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much for, uh, for giving us an update. We'll talk to you in 10 more episodes. Okay, great. Thank you for having me. I like to tear things apart. Build them right back up again I like the feel of the hammer And the nails In the palm of my hand And it don't matter if I do the same thing Over and over again I like to tear things apart And build them right back up again All right.
Thank you, Carolyn. You can find a video for Carolyn's new song, Tear Things Apart, which you're hearing right now, and all of her other endeavors at carolynkendrick.com. She's also, you know, she's on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and all those other digital domains constructed to instill in us a healthy dose of existential dread so we buy shit we don't need. Now, on to Jack and Sabelle uh, of Honky Tonk for Donkey Tonk. There's a fun... Um, indie media bonus in this episode my mother was visiting from connecticut and we were heading to or returning from guitar center in the gas lamp antique stores the latter of which are amazing by the way i'm not paid to say this i'm just a fan the gas lamp antique stores one and two are incredible but anyway my mom was sitting outside of the studio door um and you know people in their 60s on on cell phones they are not quiet (laughs) and i had to stop the interview to step out and ask her to lower her voice so i kept that in for you so you could enjoy it um and if it's not clear enough from our interview jack is a musician uh his name is jack evan johnson if you're looking for his music And Sabelle is both a musician and an artist. Um, She makes all sorts of clothes, costumes, uh, uh, stage outfits, (laughs) uh, robes, intimate wear, sort of all sorts of stuff. You can find her at her website at sabellealena.com. Now, uh, without further ado, as is said in places that people say these things, um, we are on to Honky Tonk Badonkadonk. Tell me who you are and what you do. Uh, the the zine. Yeah, and then uh, yeah, we can go. We can talk about yeah. other things too. Um, yeah, nobody cares about us. <laughs> so it's like when you when you have a child that's more successful than you are, and then it just you're, you become like you know Billy's dad or. <laughs> Or whatever. We're um, here with Billy's dad. Yeah, we're, we're honky tonk, badonkadonk's uh, parents. Um, yeah. So the zine uh, uh, was, you know, we, we started it uh, almost exactly a year ago. Our, our first issue came out July fourth, and uh, it's just kind of a, you know, kind of a monthly. Uh, I mean, sort of modeled after a, a punk zine, and, and you know, classic you know, uh, punk scene and sort of, uh, you know, content and, and, uh, sort of values and and such. But, um, you know, we're, we're both musicians, uh, you know, grew up in, you know, punk rock. Uh, but I also went to college for journalism and, uh, and worked in journalism for, you know, a number of years in, uh, Las Vegas and, uh, Sabelle, I'm going to speak for you here. She, (laughs) she went to school for art. Uh, and, you know, has worked as a professional artist. So it's kind of like, uh, you know, a little bit, a little bit more, um, you know, kind of like a punk, punk zine, uh, plus, (laughs) you you know what I mean? Like I, I, you know, carry all my professional journalism, uh, training and, you know, just in, in just, you know, things that you acquire when you do something for a long time, ethics and, you know, all, all that sort of stuff, um, into this project, which is just, you know, flimsy little Xerox thing, but, uh, you know, hopefully the, the content holds up. Yeah. That I, makes sense. I used to, I used to do like public zines in the late nineties. Yes. And you, you know, yeah. Y- yeah. And so yeah. I understand the plus part, which is like, you know, like, yeah. like, like you're, you're bringing sort of, it seems like you're bringing. Um, a narrative and aesthetic quality that isn't always inherent in in zines. Well, we're trying. It's, <laughs> co- it's come a long way for sure. Um, I think it was probably it felt like six issues in before I could finally make a Nash lib without a typo. Sure. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's. I mean, and, and people will let you know. <laughs> oh yeah, they mm-hmm. they will. I got friends back in Vegas who you know they find them and they, they let us know. Well, and why, I mean, why a zine? Like, why Why was that your, your, there are so many ways to communicate with the public now. Like, why was that something you gravitated towards? Uh, the internet died. Uh, you didn't hear? Um. <laughs> I'm from the Pacific Northwest yeah. originally. Um, when I was a kid, I grew up in Olympia, Washington. A lot of famous zines came out of the Pacific Northwest and Olympia. Um, 
and they're important to me for just sort of other reasons. And then, yeah, I think that just the, the uh, oversaturation of content on social media that um, maybe doesn't uh, value the, the maybe doesn't sort of prioritize the community in the way that you know a zine might mm-hmm. um and uh it's a tangible thing to read it's fun it's you know? cheap yeah. you know it's cheap it's cheap to make i mean you know we do we do have advertisers that that you know help you know i mean it's a few hundred bucks you know we can't afford that without it but um it's doable you know i mean i think we pulled the trigger uh I mean, it was just almost like we had a show coming up on on it was July Fourth last year. I had a, a a single release I was doing, and we we're kind of just looking for something else cool to do to, to kind of coincide with that. And I mean, I don't I don't know if it was we'd been you know talking about it like loosely for probably six months, six months yeah. or something. But it was kind of just like, well, if we're gonna do it, you know, it'd be cool to do it on the Fourth of July. <laughs> and uh, I mean, it wasn't what. Probably about three weeks. We just sort of sat weeks. there. Feels and like it was just like, a, just boom, did it. Kind of what? Did, what would we like to read about? You know, what things um, interest us about the Nashville community? Um, which is and and so Jack does like a studio crawl, and we have a history column, and we have just you know different different areas of our own interest, and I think we just sort of came up with like the general outline of the content, probably in one conversation. And yeah. have stayed pretty true to that for about yeah. a year. I mean, I, I worked in at a uh, at a in college. I interned and then and then continued to freelance for the this alt weekly in Las Vegas, long running alt weekly. It was called Las Vegas City Life, and um, you know, you know, it'd be like Nash, the Nashville scene mm-hmm. you know, equivalent. Um, and uh, you know, I had a structure each month, and and. Um, you know, a lot. Of, I guess a lot of uh, newspapers do, and and so that was just something that we've we've stuck with. You know, we thought well, it would be cool, and and uh, kind of got our, our formula down. So each month we know, all right, we got to do this. Who's doing the history? Who's doing the bartender? Who's doing the student? You know, and just kind of plug all the pieces in. Yeah, uh, it's interesting. Like I I haven't I haven't seen the new issue which you brought, and I saw there's a there's a segment of of a piece of a column that you had written on Instagram that I just looked at. Oh yeah, and I think like a lot of times, a lot of conversations in Nashville are around like how Nashville is not like what it was and it is what it is now, right? Sure. And yeah. It's, it, what I find interesting about what you've done is. I don't know what your feelings are on that, and we can talk about that. But like, yeah. you've, you've made something because <laughs> I think a lot of people are like, it's not like it was, but they're not necessarily yeah. making well, something tell, to fill in that hole. Tell you a funny story when I when I first moved to Nashville, um, no, it was before. It was about three three months or so. I was out here working on a record, and I ran into an engineer friend, um, and uh, his name's Mark Patasha. He's actually uh, an engineer in in issue three or. four four last year we did a studio crawl on him uh, amazing engineer here used to work with dave cobb he engineered jason isbell's southeastern which was like a huge album but i ran into mark in a parking lot somewhere and i'm like hey man i'm moving to town finally you know and and he's just like oh you're six years too late <laughs> and uh and you know he now i reminded him of that story and he's like oh sorry man i was being a dick but uh i was reading something about Chris Christopherson, and when he moved to town, you know, it was after Dylan had been here mm-hmm. in late seventies. I can't remember. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, early seventies, or maybe six, maybe late. I should know this. Anyways, <laughs> it was it was right after Dylan had come and right. gone, and and um, you know, somebody told Chris uh, uh, whose birthday it was yesterday. Actually, <laughs> happy birthday, happy birthday, Mr. Chris. Christopherson, Mr. Christopherson. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, told him, yeah, you're, you're, you know, six years too late, or however many years, you're too late. You know, Dylan, Dylan's gone. You're too late. Sorry, Chris. Right. And you know, I mean, it's just that's just the the there's there's sort of an evolution um, in in Nashville that uh, I think is real cool, and it is changing a lot. Um, I've just in the I've I haven't even been here four years yet, and I've been coming out here for you know, cut visiting a couple of years prior to that, and. Um, it's changed a lot, but I mean, if you're a musician, like compared to 
where I came from uh, in Las Vegas, which I love. I love the town, and there is a great music scene. But, um, I mean, it, it, the resources in Nashville, you know, nothing, nothing compares with that. I lived in Australia. I mean, I, nothing compares with the, the resources here for a musician. Yeah. Um, so it's, yeah, it, it's maybe not what it used to be, but it's still, it's still pretty cool. Yeah. Pretty special still. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Hold on one second. I'm going to ask, this is a classic independent media thing. I'm going to ask my mother who's in the other room to, uh, not be on a phone call. Oh, okay. I don't mind. Does she want to join us? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who's she talking to? <laughs> Patch him in. <laughs> Can you can you talk about what your um, like? I know it's sort of it's 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 a classic zine in a lot of ways, and I know I remember actually. Did you do did you do one of the bartender pieces on Inglewood Lounge? Yeah, yeah. And it's like hanging up. There. I remember that was the yeah. first time I saw it. I was like, oh, a zine! Like immediately, I was psyched about it. Cool. Can you just tell tell me about like what? Like look and feel your guy. What what's the look and feel and the attitude of of what you're presenting and saying here? Well, we have an ass on the on the cover. <laughs> our um, logo, our logo, our logo is an ass. Yeah, the, the name is sort of tongue in cheek, and it's right. it's um, we you know we feature different photographers, and mm. we want the the art to be. I would like the art to be good quality art. Mm. Um, but it but it's black and white and it's sort of it's sort of silly and it's sort of fun you know yeah. i would say for aesthetically you know yeah it's not you know it's it's uh it's a little irreverent and <laughs> and um you know i think most people sort of get it some people uh don't get the joke that honky tonk badonk and donk is funny I mean, <laughs> or, or just I don't know they just don't think it's as funny as we do but um, I mean it's like you know it's like you know when we both have uh, extensive backgrounds in this in in this field you know um, what are you both getting out of doing this like what why are absolutely you nothing this? absolutely <laughs> Uh. We get to tour a lot of very cool historic places sure. and and you know talk to people who we admire or we who or support you know. Yeah, I think um, you know I read I read something that somebody wrote a few months ago um, in another publication and, and they I think they were uh, quoting somebody else but they you know. I think I think the line was something like they learned a long time ago that the way to the way to get ahead in, you know, or the way to do things in Nashville is by by helping other people, mm. you know, and it's like you get in, um, you, you know, what what goes in is what comes out, you know, and and uh, I think for us, it's just I mean, talking about the, the premise of this podcast, it's it's really hard i mean it was hard it was hard i can't you know speak to sabelle but um i moved here i mean i had some friends here but i moved here cold you know and and i'd come from uh, i'd lived in las vegas my whole life went to australia for a little while where i was kind of a kind of a novelty you know because mm -hmm. i was the like the only american musician in town and uh so it was kind of easy to meet people but then i moved out here and it's like oh yeah you're a you're a white guy with a Telecaster, you know, and you, <laughs> yeah. you like, oh, you like John Bryan too, you know, you yeah. don't say. Yeah. And, uh, and it was, it was really, really hard, um, to kind of, you know, meet people and, and, and kind of get busy and creative, you know? And I think this for both of us has just been a really good avenue to, you know, not only not only document the the community, um, but you know, it's 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 not you know just like an an act of like pure like altruism. You know, I mean, we are meeting people and we mm -hmm. are like getting getting into studios that you know, if I just knocked on the door, right. you know, but like. 
Uh, I mean, I got the tour Columbia Studio A, which is private mm-hmm. Belmont studio now, and that's where all those great Dylan records were made. I mean, Leonard Cohen, I mean, it's super famous. I've been reading about it for years. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's locked up tight, and, and you know, but people want to talk to the press, and it, it's... But, but with that, it's like... And this is this is something I want to say that's really important that I don't think we've ever really um, talked about or, or written about. But there's a lot of, like I talked about earlier, there's a lot of um, ethical stuff involved mm-hmm. with being a professional journalist, um, which, you know, I still consider myself. I went to college for it. I did it in, in Nevada for years and years. And um, we're not, I mean, we're not really putting our friends on the cover, mm-hmm. you know, we're not, we're not, it, it's like, I mean, we have become friends with people we've, we've covered, but we're trying to like, we're trying to make it inclusive, sure. I guess, you know, like not only inclusive for, for just like the sake of community, but also, you know, not, um, there's no, fa- we try to be really conscious about favoritism mm-hmm. and not just because it's right, but because like, like when I was working for the Alt Weekly in Nevada, um, many years ago, like I could not review the CD of my friend's band. Sure, you know, like you, you, you just don't, you just don't do that. You know, I mean, it, the the ethical rules are just so strict. I mean, if somebody sent you, sent you a, a free whatever, you know, like you probably was frowned upon by. Like, if you go to cover an event. When you're like a professional journalist at that level, level, if you like go to cover an event, like you're not even really like supposed to take the free drink, mm-hmm. you know. Um, this obviously is a little more, you know, the ethical waters are a little murkier. I mean, we are musicians in the scene. We are very involved, and it's all it's all intertwined. But like, you know, I mean, one of the, be- I mean, I could say this here because because this isn't the zine. Um, I mean, one of the best musicians in town is a good in our opinion is an amazing singer songwriter one of our dearest friends in town is a dude named Paul Nelson hmm. and Paul I mean I mean the dude I mean I'm not going to go on and on about how great we think it is but like we're not putting Paul on the cover of the zine hmm. because he's we're like too close to Paul right you know what I mean? Um, I hope somebody else does, and and maybe it, at some point, you know, we will include Paul in in the coverage of the zine, and maybe have have somebody else interview him. You know, I maybe mean, we, all your copy should be about why you shouldn't be covering Paul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, and that's and that's like for me, it was uh, just. I mean, I think for both of us, it, we just—it's important to us to create a platform to to really honor the community. You know? Absolutely. Well, and that's a, and, yeah. and that's as you know, I'm I'm sure, and I think in one way or another, you're you're reflecting on this. Uh, that's inc- that's increasingly a rare position because because every every bit of content in one way or another, people are looking to commodify in three different ways. Yeah, yeah so, absolutely. And so it's a hard, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a very noble approach and it's, it's not one that people put front and center. I think you can even see that when you look at what's happened with a lot of alternative weeklies. I mean, you know, that, in you know, as, as it, as it sounds like you're saying, you have experience where those ethics are in, in order, but I know situations where just you know just people's yeah. blind spots where they're not paying attention to how they're featuring their network. Their network gets prioritized over everything else. Yeah, and it's it's I mean it is hard with us still because I'm sure I'm sure there are bands out there that are that are like, Oh, you know, what the hell, why aren't you at our shows? And it's like, All right, cool, well like send us an email. <laughs> yeah. I don't I don't know. It's really it's a it's a really hard job. I mean, I've been on both sides of it. Mm-hmm. I am on both sides of it. I mean, I've been a musician for as long as is uh, as I've been a journalist, if not a little, actually longer. I've been a musician for longer than I've been a journalist, and um, I've I've sat at a news desk and received press releases, and I've sent hundreds of press releases out to out to news outlets and tried to promote tours, and and just like heard heard nothing back. Um, I understand both sides of it, um, and it's. It's a it's a really it's a really 
it, it's just a hard it's a, just a hard job. But I think like with the zine, um, you know, as far as like honoring the community, but also just being the the change that we would like to see. Hmm. You know, before we lived in Nashville, I I was here for I've been here like three and a half years, been doing the zine for a year. So that's two and a half years living in Nashville, being a musician, trying to book shows, trying to, you know, just be a part of the community, you know, which is a very like um uh supportive mm-hmm. supportive community and 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 you know trying to get media coverage for your shows and just trying to do all these things and just like knowing how frustrating it is and knowing hearing you know like other people all sharing the same experiences um you know like oh, I got this show why wasn't so and so here and i think we just really want to i mean back to there there's all different ways to look at this like um but just just be inclusive, you know, to the best of our abilities. I mean, we're two people. We're not. There's only so many pages. You know, we're all we're really busy with other projects. Um, but like we've we've made it a point to try and cover uh, things that are not going to be covered in other publications. Like we're like the alternative. Alternative Weekly, if that, <laughs> if that makes any, well, any it, sense. It makes sense, you know? too, in the fact that, like, all, I mean, Alternative Weekly... But we're some, monthly. <laughs> yeah. All, all, you're an, all, yeah, an alternative paper. I mean, the Alternative Weeklies by format have been around for, what, 50 or 60 years. I mean, yeah. the, the, the it's zines have always, in one way or another, been the alternative to the alternative. And and one thing absolutely, I really... One, yeah. Yeah, one thing I, I appreciate about what you guys do, and I want to talk, make sure we talk about this because it's going to come out the week of the, the anniversary of the release, oh, cool. is one of the things I love so far about what I've seen what you do is the, the you you have a culture, cultural integration. So you have... You have the the zine right that you release, and then there's like there's a shows element. So there's a there's like a physical community piece where you guys are playing music, and it sounds like that's going to come together in a bit of a festival on the first week of July. Can yeah. you talk about that? And why why do you do like why are you not just releasing a zine and that's good enough? Um, um, how do the shows play into it? And how does this we festival have play? fragile artistic egos <laughs> that co- constantly need to be fed? I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, The festival is called Donk Fest, and it's just to celebrate our one-year anniversary, and um, all of the, there's going to be about 20 bands, and it's all going to be people that have been either featured in the zine or have contributed to the zine, so some of the photographers are musicians, some of the, we have a section called Haiku Reviews, um, that is generally open to the public, and some regular um, contributors of Haiku Reviews will be performing um, so really just a sort of celebration of the community that we have tried to um, build and and bring some amazing musicians together under one roof and, and celebrate it. Yeah. Yeah, That's I mean, awesome. it's, it's, you know, kind of talking about that, um, you know, not being a traditional news outlet. I mean, we, we can, yeah, it's not, it's not just, you know, covering the the community. I mean, it is. It, it's more active than that. Mm-hmm. Um, like I was, but uh, like I was talking about in a way that you know begs begs some some questions. You know, um, but like, what are we really doing? You know, are we promoters? Are we journalists? Are we? You know, um, and I, I think these are questions that a lot of uh, news outlets are are facing right now. I mean, like Vice or whoever, mm-hmm. and like advertorials, right? Like, right. what the hell is an advertorial? <laughs> you know, that's not that's not ethical. Um, but uh, it's it's just a really cool tool to to cover the community, but also build community. And with Donkfest, I mean, we've been featuring. You know, our, they're, they're our favorite artists. You know, they're people that, that we've found out about that not only we think are awesome, but people that um, are maybe maybe being a little bit overlooked. Um, not everybody, of mm-hmm. course. I mean, Aaron Ray is is doing great. And, and I mean, we had John Hyatt and Lily Hyatt <laughs> in an issue. And, I mean, obviously, you know, they don't need our help. But, <laughs> but uh, you know, a lot of other... Um, 
you know, smaller artists and just, just be able to create, create a platform, you know, not just with the zine, but like physically we're going to have a show. We're going to have all these people. Uh, it's just fun. We have a column in the zine called random show review. It's just fun. Yeah. Um, Remember, Sorry, remember fun. <laughs> remember that. <laughs> Is anybody having fun in Nashville? Let's let's. Um, but just to sort of, to sort of make Nashville fun ex- again. <laughs> um, we have a Sorry. column called Random Show Review, and and it's exactly what it sounds like. It's you know Jack and I both see a lot of live music, probably <laughs> five nights a week. We're out seeing live music, um, so it's it's when we go to a show and there's a band playing that we really like that we've never we don't know anything about, and then one of us reviews that band. So there are musicians that we have discovered just by being part of the community and giving them coverage, um, because it's very genuine, you know, like true fandom, which Mm -hmm. is kind of more like the 90s fanzine sort of element. So I think the festival will hopefully sort of marry that community in in a way that's like, this is a fanzine, but also it's it's more, you right. know. I, I think with yeah. with what you're doing there, like I think a lot of people think. I was I I tried to go to an R and R and B fest last week or two weeks ago, and it was just for a series of circumstances that don't matter. I ended up at the stage, and I was at the stage, and there were like a there was like a obviously this story like writes itself. There was a bachelorette party, and I talked, <laughs> and this woman was like, "Is this where locals hang out?" And I was like, "Oh no, <laughs> no, it, it is not." And I and a lot of people I think who who come here in one way or another, and even you you asked this question in the excerpt of the call. I saw is like why do people who are not musicians come to shows? I think a lot of people see shows as, as still transactional. It's like I pay you money and then I go to a show and then I leave and we never see each other again. And I think what you're doing particularly well with the zine and, and with what you're doing around building events is sort of articulating what a lot of a lot of people do already know is that it's not just going to a thing and paying for music. It's about being a part of a community. Yeah, and that's that's what this uh, this. Um uh, this essay I wrote for our, our June issue, I mean, I, I c- c- kind of examine a little bit. I mean, and it's it's brief, you know. Um, but in, in 800 words, you know, kind of, you know, what what really a scene is and, and, and not just, um, you know, how how it kind of affects, you know, how it trickles out, you know, into, into other things. Um, but... You know, I talk about being nostalgic for for old scenes, and and maybe that's not as is. Um, I mean, for for what we're talking about, I mean, it everything everything trickles out from uh, the core, you know, music scene. I mean, unless you're like some some like pop pop artist backroom record label creation, you know, which uh, I mean, those are plenty plenty of those, of course. But for like you know, most of the, the, the art that, and music that we love and are inspired by, especially in Nashville and East Nashville and in any music scene in, in Las Vegas and in, in Seattle. I mean, I'm, I'm from Vegas and, and the killers, right? Everybody knows about the killers. I mean, those guys, like when I was 18, like I saw them play in like a tiny little gay bar, Mm -hmm. you know? And before that, they were just dudes in other bands, you know, the drummer had like a ska band that was on the radio when I was like, even like 15, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and like everybody here, I mean, look at Margot Price. I mean, look at, you know, guys like Jason Isbell. I mean, any, uh, these are all people that are, were born and nurtured in, you know, just like tiny little venues with like six people lis- right. listening, you know, and it, like it doesn't like um, you got to You got to start somewhere, yeah. you know, in a scene, a very, a very localized uh, art scene um, is what all the big like, you know, like world world changing stuff like comes from, you know, and and. It's like, I mean, like somebody like Courtney Barnett, you know, who's like mm-hmm. a huge rock star now. I mean, you can name anybody. Like she, she, I lived in Melbourne, Australia, and she was a bartender at the bar down the street and mm-hmm. just played little shows around town. And, and 
I mean, we're sitting, this building we're sitting in is like a business incubator building, right. you were saying, right? And like a scene is like an art incubator. Yeah. You know, like that stuff doesn't just happen. Like maybe there's some prodigy kid in like Iowa playing guitar in his bedroom and, and posting videos on YouTube. I mean, I'm sure there is, but good luck. I mean, if, without the support of a community, I mean, it's, I mean, you don't have anything. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And you it's what I, what I'm appreciating is you guys really embrace community. I mean, I think that that's a thing that people don't do. Yeah. I think that people often do it unconsciously or they're not aware of what's happening and it's important to sort of do it consciously, especially now. I mean, it's fucking great. Like it's, yeah. we're in this like weird, cynical, anarchic time <laughs> and we yeah. can really use people who embrace some community. <laughs> well, we're getting old. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the other thing. That's uh, the other thing. Well, I think that's a good, uh, uh, a good stopping point. Thank you guys so much. I really appreciate you Thanks coming for in. Having us. Cool. Thanks, man. That was awesome. One, two, good God damn. All right, everybody, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Nashville Demystified. Thank you to Jesse LaFontaine for all things related to sound post production. We used a track from Brittany Haas's self-titled album at the start of the show. Uh, she was on our third episode, and she is incredible. Um, we use a rendition of Squirrel Hunters as played by Carolyn Kendrick and Sumaya Jackson. Um, you heard Carolyn's song, Tear Things Apart, um, right after her interview. And right now you're hearing Jack's song, Self-Made Man, which uh, Sabel, uh, on which, I should say, Sabel plays the bass. Hey, each episode has a show-specific illustration provided by my longtime friend, Tim Burns. They're pretty great, so check them out uh, on the website or on social media or wherever we are. Follow us on all of the places, subscribe and do all that. It really does help us, and thanks again for everything. Natural Demystified is presented by Knack Factory, and we own this town. We will talk with you all next week. 